Hey there, welcome to Vet Club. Uh, if you hear weird bumps in the background, it's Hippo. We have a we have a Hippo, and he makes noise. No, he's a oh, cat. cat. He's a cat, but his name is Hippo. And he like as soon as we sit down to do a podcast, he's like, "Ooh, I must come and rub on everything." New places to sit. Yeah, but it's not. It's old places that have moved. <laughs> it's the same places. Anyway, welcome to th- it's uh it's a week. The week. The week. We're going to talk about a week, which was last week, which is the week we're going to talk about. Um, I don't, how many weeks have we? Like, how did you, do you number them? No, I don't number the week. The week. I do oh, the date the for week. the week. So it's just the date. So we don't yeah. know how many. So this is the nth week that mm-hmm. we've talked about. There's probably six or seven of them. Oh, that's not that many. I thought we'd done it more. No. Um, Somebody, we can count them up and see. Anyway, we're going to talk about some stuff that came up in the week and things that um, we just like chat about. And I was like, oh, that's something we should talk about on the podcast. So um, I have I had two things that kind of came up just in the course of my week. Um, one, we'll start with um, just boundaries, maybe we'll say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so... Most people listening know I'm an emergency critical care specialist. I'm currently at Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine, where I'm the only emergency critical care specialist. We have um, lots of really great ER doctors and specialists in other services, but I'm the only specialist in emergency critical care. And one of the things that our specialty college does that is unique to, to things that we do is mechanical ventilation. Um, and you know, mechanical ventilation, putting an animal on a breathing machine is, you know, pretty high end aggressive therapy for really, really sick patients. Um, but in the patients that need it, it can be life-saving and oftentimes it's their only option. Um, why is it so complicated? It seems like you just put a tube in there and then hook it up to the machine and the machine would be able to figure it out. Yeah. And actually you can do that. Um, and the problem is that we've learned if you do that, you can just destroy the lungs and make them worse. Yeah. It seems so, like you can get like a good enough machine. There actually are some machines that will respond to um, changes in the patient and yeah. can do that. The, the problem is, um, and this is why um, we will not yet be completely replaced by the robots is the machines are getting data from um, the patient as a whole. So like when you exhale, um, there's various pressures and um, uh, flow rates and volumes and things like that. But that is the accumulation from all of your lung. And your lung is made up of teeny tiny little units called alveoli. And not all of them are exactly the same. So, and, and this is actually one of the things that was important. We were, um, we, the grand, we, dub, capital W, not me, but um, the medical community was learning about lung protective strategies when it came to mechanical ventilation. And what the problem is, is that one alveolus, one teeny tiny little balloon that is um, there for gas exchange is not necessarily the same as the one next to it. And when you have bad lung disease, you have some lung units, some alveoli that are, you know, sick in one way and, and maybe they're collapsed and they need higher pressure to get them open back up. Meanwhile, another lung unit was healthy um, and it doesn't need a higher pressure to open it up. And in fact, if you use a higher pressure, you will damage that part of the lung. And so the numbers alone won't tell you the whole story. Um, and I don't know that a machine will be able to always understand. Now, could you program the machine to say, hey, this patient has this type of lung disease and so respond mm. this way? Probably. And there are some really smart ventilators that do a lot of this. Um, 
but there's still changes and like troubleshooting that needs to happen. And they just, they require a lot of nursing care as well. Um, and quit trying to replace me with a robot. I just thought it'd be easy. <laughs> it seems um, like you'd be able to get like all the, so you'd have all the, you'd have this, the lung pressure mm-hmm. from what you're inputting. You should be able to sense that. And then yeah. I guess you would be able to sense like your, uh, your oxygen output by their like exhale breaths. But you're gonna you're gonna interpret those numbers, those uh, the output number differently if this patient has COPD, which is not something we see in veterinary medicine, but in human patients, um, versus if they have pneumonia, versus if they have um, non cardiogenic pulmonary edema, versus if they have cardiogenic pulmonary edema, versus if their lungs are healthy um, but they have um, neurologic disease. Now that patient, while on the ventilator, has a pneumothorax, which was caused probably from the ventilator itself, which can happen. Um, oh, but now you're doing all that and you're increasing this and that's great for the lungs, but you're actually, because you're doing positive pressure ventilation, you're screwing up um, the cardiovascular system and the machine isn't measuring that at all. And, it, and there's a lot more to it. Yeah. Turns out it's really hard, Topher. Psh. And that is why um, it's not like not everybody does it. Not everybody can do it. Um, so can it be simplified? I mean, again, if as computers get better and better and smarter, maybe. Um, I think the radiologist will get replaced before I do. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, so at any rate, not to, I don't want to talk about ventilation a ton. Um, I mean, I, I could, but that wasn't what I had planned for the, the podcast. What I want to talk about was the fact that I am the only criticalist at Virginia, Maryland. Um, and so I'm the only one that can do, who's been trained to do mechanical ventilation for um, a patient that needs it long-term. And when I say long-term, I mean not just under anesthesia, not like a few hours, like potentially days or longer. And so at the end of last week, um, we had a clinician that approached me was like, Hey, we have a patient we think needs mechanical ventilation. I was like, okay, let's talk about it. Well, so this was on Thursday, Thursday afternoon, Friday, you and I had plans to leave town. We had plans to leave town. We had um, um, tickets to a show. We're actually going to see one of my favorite comedians, Jim Gaffigan. And so we'd had this planned. We had a hotel reservation and things like this. And so this is Thursday afternoon and there's this patient with really bad lung disease and I can put it on the ventilator and I can do all these things today, but tomorrow <laughs> we're going to be leaving. And, and, and this is tough. These are tough. I struggle with these because I'm like, oh, like what, what do we do? Um, because this is not the kind of thing where this patient was in terrible shape terrible shape. And it is not in a position where it can be transported somewhere else. It is not stable enough to be transported elsewhere. The nearest place that can do mechanical ventilation is hours away. And the transport, like this dog would die if we took it, like it was under anesthesia. And like, if we took it off, it it would die. It was probably going to die no matter what. Um, but it would definitely die if we tried to transport it. So transportation is not an option. It is, did not have the kind of disease where like, oh, we do ventilation for a night and it'll probably be better tomorrow. Absolutely not. That was not going to happen. So I can do this for the night and then the next morning I can get things set. And then, then what? So th- this is a conundrum, right? So the options are, uh, one, I cancel my plans and I say, okay, I guess I'm just not... I'm not having a life outside of work and I will, um, cancel my plans and I will, 
you know, ventilate this dog for as long as needs it. That's one option. Another option is we tell the client, this isn't an option. You, you have to euthanize your dog. There's literally nothing we can do because we can't wake it up from anesthesia because it would be suffering and it'd be terrible. Um, so there's a treatment that's available, but we don't have it. It's not available to us here right now. And your dog is not, we can't transport it anywhere. And then there's the third option, which is the one we went with, which was, okay, <laughs> we have kind of this hybrid thing. Like I can get it on the ventilator, get it started and get everything set up and let people know. And we have other people who uh, are not specifically trained in this, but like have enough training in, in other similar things that like they could probably help out from there. And I could be available by phone, maybe not hundred percent of the time, but frequently enough that we could probably like do our best. Um, and so now ethically, I don't want to tell the client like, yeah, we're going to do a ventilation. Everything's going to go great. So I, I was just honest and upfront. I was like, okay, here's the situation. Your dog has really bad disease. Um, and so I, it wasn't my case, but because I'm the expert on ventilation, I, I jumped in because I, I think it's important for me to be able to explain this to clients. And I was like, here's all the bad things. <laughs> and here's because it was, it was bad. The prognosis was terrible for this dog. I was like, and then we have this other wrinkle. And I just explained, I said, look, I'm the only person here who's specifically trained on doing this. There isn't anyone in the area. What I can do is I can get things started for your dog today and kind of train, you know, get people quickly trained and get things sorted. And I can be available for phone consults most of the time. There'll be times I won't be available and other people will be able to try to manage this the best we can. This is not ideal, but it's literally the only option that we have. Um, and the client was like, under, I mean, it's a terrible situation. They were very sad about what was going on with their dog, but they were very understanding of this. And it's just kind of like, Ugh. so because to be honest, I wasn't willing to cancel our plans. That wasn't an option for me. I mean, it was in the grand scheme, it was an option, but I didn't feel like it was a fair option. And I don't think anyone around when I was telling them the situation was also, I mean, it's, it's a comedy show. Like, is that super important? And about, well, in the grand scheme of things, no. But the, the, for me, if I start to say, oh, well, if, if I'm needed, then I just cancel all my plans. Now, suddenly I am on call 24, seven, 365. Yeah. Well, you can kind of like take it out to, uh, like say there's some, um, like harsh, say there's a treatment that works for, mm -hmm. Um, a disease that people get I don't know let's let's say some sort of cancer mm -hmm. there's a surgery that will 80% cure it but only one person in the world can, can do, do it. it yeah how do they choose who gets it yeah and let, let's say it's a common cancer yeah that all these people are getting yeah a lot of people are going to die waiting for that so one is that person. person just supposed to like sit there all day and all day out every this day you don't get any days off you don't yeah I mean that person isn't going to be able to do that. That's not sustainable. So right? it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, yours is like a weird and extreme version of that. But, but there are things like is. that. Because there's like you hear about um, it happens a lot with athletes with injuries. They end up mm -hmm. going to some far off place in Germany. Where somebody's to, like the ultimate, the best, the special. And other people do it, but this person does this particular procedure yeah. and they're the best in the world at it. Yeah. Why, why does, why does, does that, that one person get the, the better ACL well, surgery? They have money. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's fair, um, personally. Um, but I don't think it's fair to say that this one person never gets a day off. Right. Um, I, and for myself or for anyone. And to be fair, the, the people in the hospital, they were like, yeah, we get it. Like, nobody, but you feel bad. I did, though. And that's the hard part is I still, like, there's a part of me that's like, gosh, should I be canceling our plans? No, logically, it's not. I wouldn't expect anyone else to. I wouldn't ask anyone else to. Um, and so why am I doing that to myself? So that's what I wanted to talk about. It was, was a little bit easier, guilt. too, because you didn't feel like the dog had a good prognosis. I think it would have been harder if it did have a good prognosis. But now when I was talking to the client, I'd already made the decision that I wasn't going to cancel my plans. Um, And when I was talking to the client, like none of that factored in. And I I was just honest. And the client was even, I was like, look, I'm the only one that can do this. I'm not going to be here this weekend. I didn't say I'm going to a comedy show. But, uh, and, and, but here's the other thing. I also felt a little like, oh, if I had had a different thing that we were doing, like if it was a work-related thing or- well, if we were you know, in town. Well, if we were in town, it wouldn't have been an issue. I wouldn't have had a problem, but like, I'm not canceling plans. Like we had plans to do this. Mm-hmm. And even though it's quote unquote, just a comedy show, that is our personal life. Those are the things that we do and we enjoy ourselves. And it allows me to have a well-rounded life and to feel refreshed and to be ready to come back to work. And it's not like it was like, oh, we were going to go to the movies. We can go to the next day. Like this was a show that we were driving three hours to go to another nearby town. And we had hotel reservations and all the things. And um, so there are times when we'll cancel plans. And I've done that. I've definitely done that to you before. Um, But I have to draw the line somewhere. But the weird thing is like, I still feel like it's just a comedy show, you know? But the other thing I tell myself is if we had already been out of town, this it wouldn't have come up. I'm like, oh, we're already out of town. And for some reason, I yeah. wouldn't have felt as bad. Or if I had been, you know, like, we're gone, I'm like, oh, I'm visiting my grandmother. Like, sorry, we have plane tickets. Like, this is, I, I don't know. Like, for some reason, and I don't think I'm an, alone in this, but we sort of assign value to some of the things that we do outside of work. And some things are considered more valuable than others. For example, like, oh, well, I have to, you know, do something with my children. Like, we, we assign value to things and some things we consider more valuable than others. Now, we don't all agree on those value statements, mm-hmm. but individually I'm like, oh, well, this is a valuable thing. And I'm like, why am I doing this? That's dumb. It doesn't matter what my plans are. My, what I have planned outside of work is valuable time and that's just how it has to be. And I think it's the sort of thing too, if you don't, like if you had stayed because it's just a comedy show, eventually you start to resent your job. Yeah. Cause I know that I feel like that happened with my brother, someone he was doing, um, some science stuff. Like he's a PhD for some sort of medical biochemistry or whatever. Um, (laughs) and he was, he was on a vacation and his, uh, like the head doctor guy was worried that they were going to get their paper scooped. And so he had my brother come home early from from his his vacation vacation to save like three days on getting a paper done. That's so dumb. Yeah, And so like my brother didn't feel bad at all when he left the place. So he came or he came back early from vacation because it was requested of him. But then he was like, I'm not going to stay at this, this lab. This isn't a place I want to work. Yeah. Yeah. When it was time to move on, it's like, whatever. I have no, uh, no attachment here. Yeah. I, I, And I think that's an unreasonable request, but that's the culture. Again, the reason I even feel a little bit guilty about this is because that's the culture. Now, like I said earlier, I wouldn't ask somebody else to do this. I wouldn't say, well, what do you mean you're not going to cancel your plans? Like you need to come back early and be like, nope, okay, you're gone. That's, that's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. And we're going to deal with it. I think most people understand that. Yeah. 
like internally don't. you don't. Exactly. It's the internal thing that I wanted to talk about because, and I, I, I don't have lingering guilt about this. I, this, this is, but I think you might've had lingering guilt if it was like a, like, it's like, yes, I would have saved this dog and I didn't. Whereas the, yeah, like the prognosis for it was like, Terrible. odds are we're going to do this and it's yeah. going to die. Yeah. We, we, full disclosure, we did end up euthanizing the dog and not putting on the ventilator for reasons that had nothing to do with me going out of town. But um, like we made that decision long before then. Um, and again, the owner knew that it was up front. We were very upfront about things and we had a plan for, I would get it started on the ventilator and other people were going to be able to help out. Um, but ultimately like it, it was just, it was too much of a long shot and the finances, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Yeah, but it's been in like a, like a coral snake bite. Then yeah. You probably would have felt differently. I probably would have. And that's silly too. Um, because the other thing I, I constantly try to remind myself for things like this is that I didn't always work here <laughs> before I worked here. They didn't have a critic list at all. Yeah. Like there was not even a chance that anybody was going to save any of these They also animals. didn't have any coral snakes before you got That's here. That's true too. I, we, we brought a whole a truckload of coral snakes up here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that you know. You're like, coral snake would be one of those things that would have a good prognosis. So good job, Topher. Um, but the other thing is every day there are animals all over the world that I'm not saving. Yeah. And I don't feel bad about those. And you could. And maybe I could, yeah. I might, there's some of them out there that I could probably save. If I just never slept and just traveled around, like, but it's, it's, like, where do you draw that line? So you can take it further and further until you're like, well, that's ridiculous. But like, but when did ridiculous start and your guilt trip end, you know? Um, so yeah, like I still struggle with those like internally, like objectively, logically, I'm like, no, I am being reasonable. This is not an unreasonable thing for me to say. I have plans and I'm going to keep my plans. That is okay. That is what I should do. Um, but that, that little bit of guilt still is there. Yeah. And there's this, like the... Like in Schindler's List, the movie, he saves all these people, yeah. but at the end, he only thinks of the people that he, he didn't. didn't save. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't, I could have sold my car, I could have sold this ring, how more. many lives were all this I worth? I could have done more. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it's true. And the thing is, there are, there, all, I think all but one other time since I've been at Virginia Tech that we've had a ventilator case, I was not on call. I was not in the building and I was not on call. And I came in for those and I was like, oh, yep, I'm not on this week, but I'm here now because, and that's fine. And I'm okay with that. Like I, I wasn't, I'm not upset about that. And there are animals that I have saved, but I, I wasn't canceling plans. You know, I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't on call, but I can help this patient. So I will. And that's, it's not a major inconvenience. And so, you know, I tell myself that and I you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm an okay person. Like I'm not a bad person, but like, I shouldn't even have to do that. I mean, I don't mind coming in and until we get more help, like I, that's totally fine. But what I mean is I shouldn't have to justify like I'm okay for keeping these plans because look at all the other times I didn't like I'm a good person you know yeah I'm having those internal struggles and trying to be like no no you're still okay like am, am I is, is this okay am I a bad person for not like I will cancel my plans to save this animal because you know if that were you know one of my loved ones if that were my animal and somebody else could save them and they didn't cancel their plans how would I feel you know I like to think that I'd be like no I understand I, I get it but would I, or would I be like, what the hell? No, your plans are not that important. You're just going to a freaking comedy show. Like stop, yeah. save my animal. And then you can see your comedy show some other time. Um, I, I'd like to think that's not how I would be, but I, will I, you know, I hope it never happens. I don't I hope I don't have to find out, but anyway, it's just a tricky, th what if it's like your grandma, your sister, yeah, your brother? Well, I think the thing is you, 
you had a plan and an effect that would yeah. work. And I think you, yeah. did you, I think you've done that before. There was one time when you were out of town, like we yeah. were totally out of town and they wanted to put something on a yeah. ventilator and you were going to talk through one of like the yeah. anesthesiologists. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I can't remember if that happened or not. It didn't end up happening, but um, there were other reasons that patient didn't need it. But yeah, like we do try to say like, okay, you know, so we were going to be out of town and I was willing to be like, yeah, call me when you need to. I was going to try my best without canceling my plans, but like it was still good. It, that would have interrupted our weekend. Like, oh, yeah. okay, now you're getting calls. But you were willing but, to do that. But that's a compromise I was willing to do without completely canceling plans. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, and I and I think that's fair, right? For people yeah. to say, what can we do that is reasonable? I can give a little bit, but I can't give 100% of myself to this place all the time. It's also recognizing that there's like a hundred other doctors there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that they're pretty darn smart. And if yeah. with a little bit of help, I can, we can probably get through this. Right. Is it ideal? No, but you know what? Very little of what we do is ideal. So yeah. anyway, if you've ever had that scenario, uh, if, if you haven't, you probably will. Um, I just want you to like, yep, that that's a normal feeling. Um, and it's okay to fight it. Or you like think I'm a terrible person and I should have canceled my plans. In which case we just might not agree. <laughs> but I, I think people, it's normal to struggle with that. And that like, I feel a little bit guilty. Am I a bad person? Oh, whatever. Okay. I, I, I mean, we had a good weekend. I had fun. Um, we almost maybe. had to stay in bunk beds. <laughs> That's true. That was pretty funny. <laughs> we got to this hotel. Uh, it was kind of a funky hotel. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it was cool. I it's liked build it. Is like, it's like a bar with a hotel. Yeah, maybe. But then they're like, we go up and we get our room and we walk in and there's two bunk beds. And I was like, mm, no, this isn't going to work. So I went back downstairs and I was like, so they were like, oh, oh, we're sorry. No, 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 no. You definitely, <laughs> that's not, that's not what we were supposed to do. So we got our room switched over. But it, I was for, for a brief moment, we were like, <sighs> Yeah, because they asked us like you uh you specifically recommended a a, a queen, queen bed with, with no, no window. window, and I was like, well, I didn't. I thought and they were asking about the windows. Yeah, and I, I was don't like, really yeah, care whatever. If a I don't care. I don't need a window. Yeah, like the window part. I just did whatever the yeah. site said. Yeah, turns out maybe. <laughs> yeah, it was the it was the queen bed size they might have been talking oh, about. Oh, we Not thought the, I was well because usually it's like, do you get two queens or a king? Right. Yeah. I was like, I don't really care. Like either of those are fine. I didn't know the choice, which. I don't think they did either. I don't think that's what he meant when he asked us the question. But yeah. later I was like, if this was the choice, like, then I do want the queen with no window. Yeah. <laughs> that I think is what they important. were trying to do, so the elevator was broken. They were trying to get us on the lowest yeah. floor possible. Yeah. And like the guy's like, oh, this one just opened up. And yeah. they're like, oh, okay. And yeah. they, they, they didn't, didn't think to check. To, see to say what kind of was. beds were in there. Yeah. Anyway, that was kind of fun. But no, we got that switched right away. Not a big deal. Um, so anyway, that was one of the things from the last week that I just wanted to talk about because I think that's something other people um, have or will or do struggle with. And, you know, I don't have a perfect solution for like, don't feel guilty. Well, easier said than done, but at least know that other people yeah, feel it happens that way to everybody. Too. Yep. The other thing that came up, so there was a lot of little things that came up over the last week or so um, that kind of got me thinking about my thought process when I'm managing cases or when I'm hearing about cases or receiving or, or transferring cases. And, and it's about finding the thing that doesn't belong. So it's kind of like when you were a kid and I was on like PBS and one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. Okay. So yeah, give me, give me a little, what do I get? Oh, man. I thought you were going to do the applause. Ouch. That hurt, babe. Okay. I won't sing anymore, but probably some of the audience is like, they've like, we don't know what you're talking about anyway, but that was, that was like on a PV. Do you remember what it was? It was I think it was Sesame street. Was it Sesame street? I didn't watch Sesame street. So what? 
it's ridiculous. Watch Golden Girls. But basically it was like, here's a bunch of things that fit in some sort of category and you have to figure out, you know, it's like, here's four squares and then a triangle. You have to identify that the triangle doesn't belong, okay? So um, if we ratchet that up a few hundred levels to medicine, and when I'm hearing about a case or thinking about a case, you know, we're always trying to think like, okay, what do we think is going on with this patient? What are the problems? What are the differentials? And that's part of it. But I also am trying to figure out like what doesn't fit. And it, it brought me up to this concept of illness scripts um, and scripts, scripts with a T like a movie script. Yeah. Um, so illness scripts are when you have a, a disease, a diagnosis, a syndrome, something like that, there's kind of a script that it follows. And, and the way I explain this to people is if I, if I told you this puppy has parvovirus, without me telling you anything else, you could make a pretty good guess on what's the history. What are the clinical signs? Like what did the owner see at home? It didn't get vaccinated. It, yeah, it has right? diarrhea. Yeah. See, you know this stuff and, and you're not even trained for this. What else is there? Probably vomiting. Vomiting. Probably not eating. And then on physical exam, you know, you may and struggle. And also it's a puppy. And it's a puppy. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, I already expect these things. And then if we were to do some tests, you'd say, you, you might not know this, but you'd say it's white blood cell count is probably low. Um, it, you know, it's probably on physical exam has a high heart rate, maybe a low temperature, maybe a high temperature, but it, it's got certain things that I expect. And if I find, if one of those things is not fitting the script. And and again, scripts can have, you know, a little bit of variation here. We got to keep it interesting. But like there's certain things like that that just doesn't fit at all. This is that I think you took a page from a different movie and you snuck it in <laughs> to my script and this doesn't fit. And we had a number of of cases um in the past week or so where um, a case was being presented during rounds and the doctor was talking about, you know, here's this, this, and that. And then all of a sudden they would be like, and then this. And I was like, whoa, timeout. What? Tell me more about this because that doesn't fit my script. Um, so one example was a, a dog that was presented. It was a young, like three-year-old or something, dog that was presented for um, new onset seizures. And I, I think the doctor was thinking this is going to be like an idiopathic epilepsy, totally reasonable. Young, healthy dog came in, you know, doing okay, recovered, hasn't had any more seizures, just trying to kind of monitor it for a bit. But then they're telling the history and they're like, and the, the owner's report of the dog was just kind of off the whole day beforehand. And I was like, wait, what? That's, that's not what happens in these cases. Like they don't, they don't have 24 hours of being off before they have a seizure. That is, that's not typical. So I was like, well, wait, tell, and they're like, well, I don't, I don't know. They just said kind of off. I was like, okay. Like, what do you guys think? Does that fit? No, that is, that is unusual. Okay. Well, we need to think about that. That might need to change what we do or how we think about this. And, um, they had, uh, the doctor had already started, uh, or submitted like some blood work and sure enough, like, you know, an hour later we get the blood work back and that dog's electrolytes were way off. It's sodium was really, really low. And we're like, okay, that makes more sense with feeling off for a day. And that, you know, we can put this together that that may have been part of why the dog had a seizure. Either it's sodium was really low and that caused the seizure or whatever's causing the sodium to be low. Like if it has some sort of, um, you know, 
neurologic issue that's causing it to drink too much or who knows what. So I was like, okay, see, like that didn't fit with the the script of idiopathic epilepsy. And it wasn't like, that's not what that dog ended up having. Um, we had another, you know, case or a dog presented with signs of hemorrhagic gastroenteritis or HGE, which is also sometimes called now acute, um, hemorrhagic diarrhea syndrome. Okay. So that's a syndrome, not a disease, but it has like predictable findings. Like one is going to come on acutely. It's going to have this blood work findings are going to be this. Um, in this case they had, they ran a full chemistry, which I wouldn't routinely do if I thought it was HGE. But they did, and the albumin was low. And I was like, hey, team, this albumin is low. And they're like, yeah, but it was only a couple points low. It's not that low. And I'm like, but that that shouldn't be happening. Like that, that's not what I expect. It makes me wonder if there's this is not HGE, this is something else. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, it's, I didn't really pay that much attention to it because it was just not that far off. And I was like, but but it shouldn't be there, and I don't like it. And then the, the dog progressed, and it didn't have H like it had some signs of HDE, but then it had other stuff going on. It was like, no, this is, this is not fitting. There's something else. So I started thinking about like, how, how do I do this? Like, how do I approach this in my mind? And what I came to, it's these scripts and we don't, I don't talk about, I don't talk about illness scripts very much. Um, and maybe I should. And that's, what's gotten me thinking about this is illness scripts. And is that a helpful tool for people to, when they're thinking about a case and they're saying, does this fit this script? One that might help you come up with a diagnosis, like, Hey, everything fits with this one script that says, you know, your patient has bladder stones, whatever, everything fits, check, 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 box, box, all the boxes are checked. Or if you say, Hey, I think it's going to be bladder stones and it's checking most of these boxes, but two or three of these boxes are unchecked. Or there's this other one that that wasn't even a box in the thing. Um, does that help people keep from getting like blinders and, mm -hmm. or getting tunnel vision? Um, I so that, I don't know. Um might work because I think the the problem with most people, especially younger doctors, mm -hmm. is uh, once they think of something, they stick with that. Yeah. So probably the the thing you do, it's like, all right, if you're a younger doctor, uh -huh. write down what you think it is, mm -hmm. and then go all the things that fit the script, and then anything that doesn't fit the script, write that to the side. And then ask someone sure, who yeah. knows more than you about like, why, why is this happening? Yeah. And they'd be like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. That, Maybe that does too. sometimes that's, happen in the script. That's part of the script that you didn't know. Right. Right. It's a deleted scene. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, that, that'd be a good, like if you're a younger doctor, hey, ask questions about these things. Yeah. Or like when you go to call your backup. And I think it, for me, it's more just... Um, you don't you're still have to have know that the whole problem script. where like yeah. you focus in it. It is yeah. this, it's this zebra. I found a zebra. It's like, probably not. It's probably a horse that you painted. Um, <laughs> but, but I think you're right is that people get to where they have an idea in their head. I think this is this, most of the things fit with that. And that one thing that doesn't, it's uncomfortable. So I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah. Because, because everything else fits nicely with this. And I like that because it's, it's clear and I know what it is, but it's like, no, I don't, that, that drives me bonkers. It drives me absolutely nuts to have, um, something that doesn't quite fit. Now I will say, I don't always figure it out, right? Like sometimes I go, Ooh, I don't like this thing that doesn't fit. And I dig a little bit and I try to figure it out and I don't get the answer. And sometimes it turns out over time that it's like, eh, that probably was just like a weird anomaly, right. or maybe, you know, it's a variation. But what I like to, I always say like, it's okay to ask the question and then not know the answer or to not find the answer. It's not okay to not ask the question. Right. And I think that's the thing with like, um, like writing down all the ways that it 
doesn't fit with what mm-hmm. you think it is. And then all the... All the things that do. The extra thing. Like, you don't even need to write down the things that do. That do fit. That's fair. You write down the things that aren't there that should be there. And then all the extra things that yeah. are weird. And then, and then how you can just like... This? You can still have your blinders on. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's totally <laughs> this. I just, I just need a, a bigger doctor to tell me. Yeah. And, and then the other doctor might come through and be too. like, hmm, yeah, no, we see that commonly. Or, oh, ooh, yeah, it's probably not that disease at all. Yeah. Um, and then you can lose from that. But again, you've got... So the thing I worry about sometimes is somebody's rounding a case to me. They're telling me about the case. And then they mention this, this detail. Um, and in the one situation, the doctor told me in the history that you know the dog was off for like a day. And I'm like, whoa, what? Now, if they hadn't told me about that, everything else would have fit perfectly in that script. And I would have been like, okay, cool. Yeah, this sounds good. And we might've missed something. Now, the other case, they didn't mention the blood work change that the protein was low. And I looked at it myself because I always like to look at it for those subtle things. And I was like, wait a minute, nobody mentioned this. I was like, yeah, well, we didn't think it was important. I was like, but, but it's there. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny how many times like that it's close to being out of range and yeah. they're, they're like, uh, they'll, it's like make a big deal about it. Yeah. Oh, it's two points higher than average, which is still in the normal. Yeah. And, the, and the then hard- when it's actually out of the range, they're like, meh. And it is hard. Like I get it. It is totally hard to re- like learn. And it takes sometimes a long time and experience and years to learn like, what are the things that you can be like, man, I'm not worried about. And what are the things that not? And I think what it is, is you're refining those scripts over years, Yeah, right? Over the years, I'm adding more detail, more depth, more context, all of these other things. I've got a bigger cast of characters. So like this fits into the script and this one, even though they have differences, I'm just refining that script all the time. And so that's one of the things that I think more, um, you know, experienced or more senior clinicians have the advantage is that they just have a better fleshed out script. They've seen it before. But until you have that, you've got to ask those questions and you've got to say like, but this doesn't quite fit. So how does a young clinician know? And I think your, your suggestion here is like, okay, here are all the things that like, yeah, I know this fits and here's all the things I'm not sure about. And maybe they should be in my script and I just don't know yet. Or maybe they shouldn't. And, I, and either way, I need to either look into this, find some other resources, or ask somebody who has more experience and maybe has um, a more detailed script to help me sort that out. But, um, but I just want to encourage people to have that curiosity and to allow those little things that don't fit to just, just tickle at the back of your brain. Like, don't ignore that. Don't suppress that because that is how you find problems early. Um, I think that is how you avoid getting tunnel vision is to just ask those questions. Um, so that, that's my, those are, those are the big things for me for the past week. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do some reflection on like, how do I, um, teach that? How do I share that idea of illness scripts or, you know, how do we avoid missing those little clues, those subtle little things that, um, if you skip over them, you will not figure out who the killer is. Mm Mm-hmm which is, I think, an apt analogy since we're talking about medicine and, like, diseases, which can be killers. Um, Yeah, it's like a murder mystery, and that clue is really important because it doesn't belong. Why is there a knife in the library? The knife should be in the kitchen. The knife is in the library. This is is a clue to who the murderer is. So, yeah, when that blood test doesn't match or that historical finding doesn't fit... Yeah, something had to make it happen. Yeah, something's there. The knife just doesn't float to a different room. Yeah. Um, So, if it doesn't fit believe that and like go with that. Now, sometimes you're like, this really doesn't fit. I just need to double check it. Like, or that doesn't make sense. There are times when things don't make sense. And then you just verify, you know, okay, let's double check or, you know, repeat this or clarify this question with the client or, you know, sometimes it doesn't. And again, 
sometimes the murderer gets away. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes you never be figure like, it out. Um, Daniel Craig. Yeah. You can solve it before it even happens. Oh gosh. Yeah. When he, that was really good. We don't want to spoil this movie though, but yeah, he's a very good murder mystery solver. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if, if you don't know, so he plays uh what's his name? Poirot. What's his first name? No, he doesn't play Hercule Poirot. Oh, that's the other one. Yeah, That's Agatha Christie. So what is his character's name? I don't, I can't remember his name. Benoit. Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. That's right. That's always some French name, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hercule Poirot. That you're right. That's from 10 Little Indians. Right? Yeah. And, uh, uh, Murder the, on the Orient Express. Mur Murder on the Orient. But is it is Ten Little Indians also Hercule Poirot? I don't know that one. It's Agatha, Agatha, Agatha Christie. Yeah. All right. Anyway, there's a whole series of them. Yeah. So murder mysteries. Woohoo. Um. Yeah. Be curious. Look for those clues that stick out. Pay attention. Don't just brush them off. Otherwise, the murderer will win. Um, which is not what we want. So that, and then also like forgive yourself for having a life outside of work. So yeah. that is the point of this week's the week. Hope you have a good week. Uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> How many times can I say week? Um, all right. I think that's it. Bye. Bye.